Well, you know where we're going, right? I mean, it's Pentecost Sunday, and so we're headed to Acts chapter 2. We've already read some of it. I want to finish out the chapter so that you can say that on, on uh, Pentecost Sunday, you have read the whole chapter of, of Acts 2, which is the day of Pentecost. And so, hear these words as we pick up where Peter left off in his sermon. And uh, notice here, we're, we're dropping down to 21 where he says, And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then we're going to go to 22 here as we begin. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, quote, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence." Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption." This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. And with many other words, He bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation, So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Lord Jesus, we thank you 
for that day. We thank you for the sermon that was preached on that day. Oh God, would you do it again? Would you do it again today in this sermon, in this house of worship, on this Sunday, around the same time that you did it last time? Last time it was 9 o'clock. We, we start at the 10 o'clock mark, Lord, but do it again. Help us to have a Pentecost here in this place where we too are filled with your spirit. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Jesus resurrected 50 days ago. That's seven weeks. It's really, Pentecost kind of means seven sevens. And so you start Pentecost on the first day of the week. So that would have, you know, 49 would have brought you right to the Saturday, which was the Sabbath. And then the the first day of the week, which is Pentecost here, just like the first day of the week for us, Sunday, is where now they are celebrating this festival. And Jesus had ascended 10 days ago. So 50 days from his resurrection, he was with them for 40 days, appearing to several of them and many of them throughout the region. And then 10 days Remember, he was lifted up before them. He was talking to them and then was levitating. And then all of a sudden was full-blown flying. And then all of a sudden disappeared into the clouds. And then, all of a sudden, two angels were standing beside the disciples saying, Hey, why are you looking up at nothing? Let's get to work. And so now they were waiting in that 10-day period for the promise of the Father, who, as you just heard, is the Holy Spirit of God. This is why our sanctuary today has been transformed from the colors of white to now, and as we celebrated uh, Easter and the resurrection for seven weeks, uh, now to red, which represents fire, because we are to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and... Oh, come on now. Surely somebody else has read it besides two people. Baptized with the Holy Spirit and... All right, there you go. I mean, we kind of got the symbolism everywhere. You hardly can miss it. Um, You see, the story of Jesus doesn't end with Jesus. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) That was not the end. The cross was not enough by itself. Instead, the cross provides the open door for the Holy Spirit to rush in. That was God's plan from the beginning. Did you hear in Peter's message? It was a long one. And by the way, in the Greek it actually says, he extended his sermon. In other words, he went a long time. So I don't want any grief, okay, when I go a long time. Because I got, I got Peter who goes a long time a, at least once in Acts, and in Paul, who certainly goes a long time, so much that a dude falls out the window and breaks his neck and dies. So that was a killer sermon. Somebody on the drums? Listen to this. He told them, Jesus himself told them, that he wasn't enough. That's kind of scary to say, isn't it? But Jesus, didn't he tell them? He says, look, I must Go. Why? Because another helper is coming. You see, God has sent us not just one helper, but another helper. The first helper was Jesus. And the second helper is His Holy Spirit. 
And next Sunday, I hope you join us because we're also going to be celebrating Trinity Sunday next Sunday. Trinity Sunday always follows Pentecost Sunday. And there we see here as the early church fathers imagined in their mind that the Father reaches out to the world in His Son, Jesus Christ, and in His Holy Spirit. The two hands of God that touch in our world. We are literally wrapped in a hug, if you will. All y'all huggers, you know? That's what you do, right? See, like, if somebody really likes to hug, they don't typically like to hug me. Um, I don't know why, but here's one of my guesses. It's because I do, like, this side hug thing, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. I always do a one arm. I rarely just, like, I mean, the only person I really bear hug like that is, is Jessica. Uh, or, and my children. You know, my children, I, I sometimes will squeeze them. But, uh, but I don't just go around squeezing adults, you know what I mean? So I just try to, like, I just, I've kind of been trained, you know, just to do this number. And, but, a, but a hugger will be like, no, 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 we're not doing this. You know, and they'll come all the way around, right? Because you do two hands. And God... He must be a hugger because he's got his two hands in our world and he has wrapped us in his love through his son, Jesus Christ, and through his Holy Spirit. What an image to live by. What an image to think about if you're having a bad week and it's already it's only the first day of the week and you're having a bad week already. It's like, God, I need your 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 love. How? Through the son and through the spirit. That's how. Let's look at this promise. You know, I, I, uh, I got into this as I was studying, and I got into it, and I, and I just about got lost in it. And I'm going to have to do a sermon series eventually about fulfilling festivals. I never knew the festivals were so great. I mean, the festivals are parties, right? And so all throughout the Old Testament, they have, they have a whole year that is filled with parties, eating, drinking, making merriment, all around events that happened in the past. This is why we do this at our church. This is why we have the table here. It's to represent that this is a place where we are going to feast. And that's what you do at festivals. And so, I'm not going to go into the sermon series, but we're going to look at some point at the festivals of the Old Testament and how Jesus fulfills them. And it's really kind of crazy. But here's the thing. Pentecost is also known as the Feast of Weeks or the First Harvest. It was held, again, 50 days after Passover. So remember... You don't really have Christianity yet, right? Christianity begins with the descent of the Spirit. These are just simply Jews who have believed in their Messiah that has come. So they're still observing the festivals, right? I mean, that's exactly why on the 50th day they're observing the festival of Pentecost. We have, we have as Christians, uh, so, so married Pentecost with the coming of the Spirit that if you were to actually go back into the Old Testament and ask a Jew, they would be confused a bit. So, no, no, no. Pentecost is, is the beginning of the harvest season. It's, it represents new life. Actually, first fruits comes right after that. And then after that, you have... So there's three pilgrimages. Uh, pilgrimage festivals, I should say, where you had to be there. The, uh, Moses tells us this in Deuteronomy, right? So notice, Deuteronomy 16, 16 says this. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before Yahweh, your God, at the place that he will choose. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it's Passover. At the Feast of Weeks, that's Pentecost. And at the Feast of Booths, or as we sometimes call it, Tabernacles. And so, 
So he says, they, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed at any of these festivals. So in other words, you always bring... So they had to be there three times a year where they had to... What, what it actually says in Leviticus 23, have a, have a holy convocation. Not a holy complication, but a holy convocation. A coming together. An assembly. It was mandatory. In other words, you have to throw a party. It's like, well... Things are not going so well for me right now. It doesn't matter. It's time to party. Why? Because of something that happened in the past. And because of something that's going to happen in the future. So Passover, of course, right, is fulfilled by Jesus and his cross, right? He's the Passover lamb, isn't he? Well, what about Pentecost? Pentecost came to be known as a few things. One was first fruits. Also, however... It became known for the giving of the law. It was believed that the law on Sinai was given to Moses on the day of Pentecost. Now think about this with me. Think about this with me. If that's true, which it seems to be because that was the Jewish heritage here, and it seems to be indicated even in the giving of the law in a different way on the day of Pentecost for the New Testament. You say, what way was it given this time? Well, notice the first time on Sinai, it was given by fi- it was confirmed by fire, I should say, right? So in other words, he's on the mountain and there's fire. You remember, so much fire that there's smoke. And so much smoke that there's earthquakes. And there's lightning storm. That, that, I mean, it's like something out of, a, out of a Marvel comic thing or something going on up there. And they say, that dude's dead. He's been up there 40 days. He's toast, bro. There's no way you could survive that. And then they start building their idol, right? based on that information that he was dead because of the fire. But you see, the fire of God is different than the fire of man. It doesn't turn you into toast. (laughs) Instead, it purifies our hearts. It renews our minds. And oh, how we need that purification and that renewing. You see, just as... It does for gold. It doesn't destroy it. It purifies it. Makes it more than it could be with its impurities. And so the coming of the Spirit is this new giving of the law. How? Well, do you remember what Jeremiah and Ezekiel both prophesied? It was this. They said, one day, no longer will the law be written on tablets of stone." But rather, the law will be written where? On the heart. This is why the scripture calls us not to have a heart of stone, but rather a heart of flesh. So that he can write his law on our heart. That is why Jesus ascended a mountain like Moses. It wasn't Mount Sinai, but instead it was where he gave the Beatitudes. And rather than God giving the law to a man, now God, as a man, gives the law to his people. And here's what he says. If the law says, do not commit adultery, I say to you, don't even look at a woman and lust after her. Because if you've done it in here, then you've already broken the law. If you hate someone, you've already murdered them. What is Jesus doing? He's doing this. He's pushing the law from being written on the exterior, to now even our motives. Even our thoughts. He's pushing it, in other words, to the heart of the matter. And that's deep, isn't it? 
And that's scary, and it's, it's a little troubling, if we're honest. Because that means, even if you're not breaking the law in some illegal way, even if you break it in here, if you simply hate someone, but then you show up with a smile on your face, oh, yeah, I really hate you. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish you did. Jesus is saying, you know what? I don't want that in there. That's going to kill you. It's fascinating how many times, and I don't know this, I just had the thought. It's fascinating how many times in the Bible, especially like with Solomon, he'll say things like, the secret things in the end will be made known. So if you think you can hide secret things, I just, I hate to break it, you cannot. And quite frankly, you must not. You don't have to, in other words. That's what I'm saying. I'm not, trying to, I'm not guilting you or shaming you. I'm, instead, I'm saying, look, don't continue to harbor that. Give it to God. Give it to another brother or another sister in the faith and say, I need to confess something to you. I need to get this off. I need somebody else that is willing to carry this with me. I don't know about you. I don't know how people make it because I have people in my life who carry some of the junk that goes on in me. And I am so thankful that they can bear that. That's what the Lord has called. Bear one another in your hearts. That's a mandate for Christians. Are you carrying anybody? I get this image, you know. Forget the name of that movie that I watched about World War II where this dude saves a bunch of people. Anybody? Say it again. Yes. Hacksaw Ridge. Thank you. And he's just carrying people. Carrying. I, I see some of, us are, some of us get wounded, don't we? Well, let me, that's, that's a lie. All of us are wounded. And all of us get wounded, even later. And we're still in this battle. And sometimes we just need to be carried for a little while by someone physically. We're not meant to be alone. We were never meant to be alone. What what does God say in the beginning when he created Adam? He says, it is not good for man to be alone. He needs a helper. And thanks be to God, I have a helper in my life. I have a lot of helpers in my life, actually. But I have one that I rely on the most, and it is the helper with a capital H, who is the Holy Spirit. My advocate. Well, the third festival was Tabernacles. You remember what that one was for? That, that was, that was they, they actually... This, I, I wish we could practice this. Jessica wouldn't, but I wish that we could practice this. And that is... For a week, they would live in tents. I mean, they would have a nice house in Jerusalem, just like you do in Madison or wherever you live. They would have nice, but they would go outside and live in a tent for a week. Why? Because it reminded them. God said, I want to remind you that you are a sojourner. In other words, this is not your final home. you got to keep moving. In other words, be transient. Keep moving. Don't get so planted in a place. Don't get so attached to things in this world that you can't take some time just to unplug. 
And so it reminded them of their time in, in, in the desert, remember? They, they left. Passover was deliverance, right? Then you had the first fruits out there where God was, was providing for them manna and water in the desert. But they also were moving about in tents. So this reminded them of that. And I think it's fulfilled on Pentecost Sunday by the Holy Spirit in this way. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we don't have to live for things. Please don't try to find your fulfillment in things. That's a never-ending money hole. Isn't it? Haven't you found that? It's like you get something nice and then you see they've already come out with a new version. It's like, really? Or you get something nice and then somebody else has a little bit nicer. You're like, man, I just wish I had... You know, and then other people are wishing they had what you had. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? What we need most is God. What we need most is each other. What about Pentecost particularly here? What is significant about why would we take a day to celebrate? Why would we take the time to change all this out and do all this? It's because this is the most important day in the church. Yes, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, this doesn't happen. But even he points to this day as the start time. In other words, we're in a new season now. We all have, we all have in history, you have these different chapters, right? You're turning through. We're in the last chapter. That, I think that's a pretty cool play. I mean, sometimes I think, man, it's really nice. I mean, I was just sitting in my house. Air conditioner's running, you know, blazing hot outside. I'm thinking, I just told Jess, I was like, I'm so glad we have air conditioner, you know? If you go on a Mexico trip with me, they don't have air conditioner, okay? It's hot. I mean, you go in from being hot to more hot. Um, it, was, it was really interesting. Uh, so I was thankful for air conditioning. Why? Because we live in a time where we have it. You saw, my dad would be dead right now because of, a medical procedure that he was able to do now that saved his life. It wasn't something crazy, something simple, really. Jessica would be dead right now, more than likely. She had periappendicitis, would have gotten septic, it would have been a slow death, we'd all piled around, just wash or die. But instead, we live in a different time. We are in our season. We have to live in our season. We are called to be witnesses in this time, in this location, in this area. And we'll be judged not on how people did it in the past or how people do it in the future, but on what we do now. He's called you to be witnesses of this good news that the Holy Spirit has come for all people. That you, you lie when you say you don't have a helper, because you do. He has called us to proclaim that message. We need more than baptism. More than baptism with human hands. We need the baptism of God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what happens when you're baptized? Well, you're dipped. It's like dying an egg. You dip it in there, it comes out differently. That's what he wants to do. Baptism with the Spirit is he wants to take you down (laughs) in order to raise you up. It's the same thing Jesus did, isn't it? We say it every single Sunday in our creed. He descended. He ascended. We must decrease. Then he can increase in us. You say, I want more of God. 
Less of you then, friend. That's the way you're dipped. That's the baptism of the Spirit. And I hope you do want more of God. The Scripture calls the Holy Spirit the paraclete. That's the Greek for it. The helper. Another. Literally. Literally actually means come alongside of. And there are symbols on this day, as we just read, that are important symbols that reach back to the Old Testament and bring us up to date now in a new way that wants to happen even today, and that is fire. The first really symbol is fire, which represents his presence. It represented his presence in the Old Testament. You remember the throne scene always has fire, right? Anytime a prophet sees God, there's smoke, which means there's fire. Why? Because it's his presence. He's an all-consuming fire. Even we just got out of Revelation, lots of fire in Revelation, right? If you're a pyromaniac or technic or whatever, you'll like Revelation. It represents, too, the holiness and purification of God. You see, this day, Pentecost, fulfills John the Baptist's prophecy. That when he saw Jesus, he said, look, I baptize you with water. And we talk about that a lot for the forgiveness of sins. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's the same two people now, I believe. <laughs> the Holy Spirit and fire. Yes, good. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. It's all right. Um, and he says, look, you must be immersed in the Spirit. <laughs> I love that language because we talk about being immersed with water for cleansing. I need his immersion. I need fresh wind, fresh fire in my life. I want a personal Pentecost today, O oh Lord. It's what, what my prayer has been. If you put together the wind and the oxygen, the air of God, and, and, and the fire of God, I think what you might get is a wildfire, which is what we've been singing about, isn't it? Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control, because I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. I want a wildfire in me. You know that you can't see the wind? Like, we all believe in wind. You know, we hear it. We see the trees rustling. But no one has ever seen the wind any more than you've seen oxygen with your naked eye, okay? I know I got some scientists, okay? I, got, I get it. You can maybe capture something and, and look at it or whatever. But nobody's ever seen the wind. But you've seen the effects of the wind. Friend, do you get it? When the wind started blowing that day, it was oxygen to their soul. And some of you maybe are suffocating in your circumstance. You're maybe circum, uh, suffocating in, in, in a bad relationship or, or from past things. I mean, when, when that past idea just gets in your head and you know who lodges it in your head is the enemy. You just, you can't even breathe. Your soul, your soul is longing to just take a deep, clean, pure breath. You know, I used the illustration last week of, a, of the oxygen mask in an airplane dropping down in an emergency, you know, and you, they ask you to put yours on first and then do your children rather than get all your children taken care of and everybody else and then put yours on. And Jack uh, Lawrence came up to me afterward, you know, he was a test pilot in the in the army, and he told me, he said, you know, I've actually had to go through training where they 
where they deprived us of oxygen. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy, man. He's like, you know what happens, don't you? I was like, no, I really don't. I've never really been deprived of oxygen in that way, um, <clears throat> nor do I really want to be. And he said, um, he said it's interesting. He said, um, he said what happens is, is you just don't do anything. You, get, you end up getting disoriented, and you, you know you need oxygen, and, and the mask is right there, and, and you don't even reach for it. He's like, you just, huh, yeah. And everything just kind of slows down, and you just don't care. And that's what will kill you. You can't control yourself anymore or help anybody else. I thought, wow, that's, I got, thanks for the sermon illustration, big guy. You know, that's, isn't that us sometimes? I mean, it's like we know what we need to be doing. We know we should, we should be in the Word daily, praying to God, not just for ourselves, but for other people daily. We need to be spending time with the living God we don't do it, we just... We know we should be nurturing our kids in Christ. Our primary job as discipleship of the young. And that's your main job. And we just say, hmm. you know what we need is, is oxygen. To wake us up. It's a great awakening. We need a great awakening in our time. There's too many people that are lethargic and asleep. Take a deep breath today of the Spirit. With your soul. And then you can go help somebody else. Hey, man. Hey, lady. Listen. I can't help you in your situation, but I know somebody who can. That's what the Lord wants to do today. That's what, that's what Pentecost is all about. Do you have the effects of this holy air, this holy oxygen in your life? Can we see the wind of God blowing through your life? Again, you can't see the wind. No more than you can see the Holy I've never seen the Holy Spirit. No one has. He always shows up like a dove, like tongues of fire. Notice the language, it's always comparison, because nobody's ever seen him. And yet, we see deeply the effects of the Holy Spirit. And his primary effect upon us, just like the wind's effect on my trees, is to make them move about. The Holy Spirit's primary effect on us is to help us move about. We're sojourners. We're not meant to be sedentary. We're not meant to be not breathing. It's not good. It's a complication. He wants a holy convocation, assembly of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in you. That's fresh air. That's the oxygen we breathe. This is the air I breathe. Oh, I remember that song. That was a, you remember that? That was a great one. I just had that thought. That was cool. I didn't even have that in my notes. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. That's it. That's the summary of what Pentecost is about. Have you had a Pentecost? Has the Holy Spirit met you in that way? Peter says this. I'm sorry, not Peter. Once he gets done preaching, and by the way, his sermon was way longer than this. So again, I don't want any grief. Okay, This is a summary. Typically when you see a sermon in the Bible, it's a summary 
They, they went way longer. All right, I'm not going to go way longer, so chill out. All right, but here's the thing. When he finished, did you catch what they said to him? <laughs> here's what he says. What should we do? If, if today, if today, here's the thing, if today, if today you say, you know what? Yeah, I'm kind of suffocating in my circumstances. I don't, I don't have any fire burning in me. Like I have no desire at all. I'm just like that person deprived of oxygen. I know I need to do that. I know I need to forgive that person. I know I need to love my spouse in this way. I just can't do it. I just don't have the strength to even do it. Not even to lift my hand. I got news for you. I can't help you. But I can point you to one who can help. Who is the Holy Spirit of God. If you would invite today the Holy Spirit into your life. If you would be willing to, as they did, repent. That means to turn. In other words, you're walking this way in life. And then you turn and look to God. And really, you're probably like on a treadmill, really. You're not going nowhere when you're walking away from God. But then when you turn to him, you can sojourn. You begin the journey. You say, I don't know about all that. I don't even know how to do that. You know what? That's okay. Because a journey, you don't know all what's going to be on a journey. Like when they started Lord of the Rings journey, they had no clue what to bring in the pack. But they had each other, right? They had the fellowship. At least for a little while. We need the fellowship. That's what this church exists for, is to be a fellowship of believers. Say, you know what? We don't have all the answers, but we know the one who is the ultimate answer. And that's Jesus Christ. And who he gives to us is the best gift of the Father, who is the Holy Spirit. And he is the air that we need, the air that we breathe. He is the fire of our enthusiasm. I looked up that word enthusiasm, by the way, the etymology. In theos is actually where it comes from. So in God. Had no clue it was a religious term. That's really enthusiastic. Well, that means it's really about being in God's presence. I want to be in his presence. I want to be enthusiastic about what's important in life. At Pentecost, they were pierced. It says this, but he was pierced. Or they were pierced to the heart. And Isaiah says this. He, talking about Jesus, the Messiah, was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. You know why God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit? Number one, you were created for that, for his breath. Remember, he formed mankind in the beginning and breathed. That's spirit. That's the word for spirit. Breathed in them the breath of life. Spirited in them the spirit of life. That's how we were created, but also... He wants you to help save the world. That sounds like another invitation to Marvel Comics. It's like, do we get to help save the world? Absolutely. Can I fly around? No. But that's all right. One day you might be able to, but not in this world. We need a new body for that. Would you join the countless saints who have gone before us in walking in the Spirit? Who would today step out in holy boldness and repent and turn to God? If someone was so bold to do that today, here's the result of it. Others would follow. If you don't, 
No one will follow that lead. If you do, others will follow the lead. Who would say they're tired of the same old, same old? Who is is ready to be blown away by God's goodness and His love? The mark of the Spirit is always love. Turn around. Be baptized. Remember your baptism. Remember who you are. You're a saint of God, a child of God. So start acting like it in the Spirit. There's no other way unless you have His breath to move. Save yourselves, as Peter said, from this crooked... Literally, the term is like is, is from the same word we get scoliosis from. This crooked generation. God help us. God help others in our city. God help us. And He has. He has by His helper. He has come. Let Him in. Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Take a deep breath today by faith. Don't just stand around looking for something to come from the sky. Instead, let's get to work. Come, Holy Spirit. I want to end with an ancient prayer to the Holy Spirit. Some of you know it. I'm sorry I don't have a a handout for you, but hear hear this prayer. Let it be prayed over you today. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy His consolations through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.